you're listening to the Four Sides Podcast. And don't forget to tell all your little baby dork-ass friends to listen to the Four Sides Podcast, too. Otherwise, Warhorse is going to rule your ass. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Four Sides Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Carter, and tonight... I have another member of Podzilla 1985 with me here. Um, he is a regular at Cape Championship Wrestling and Stride Pro Wrestling. Um, we've talked to Mr. 100 Shane Young in the past, but tonight we have with us the big D, Dalton Anthony. How you doing, Dalton? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that we were finally able to make this work. Because uh, we were going to do it last Saturday, but the ring decided to get stuck in mud. And I was like too frantic to be able to like I there would I could have probably recorded, but it wouldn't have been a good show. Right. I mean, it was you know it's the first day back. It's a, it's always a stressful day and stuff happens. That's why I always like to say card subject to change. Yeah, yeah. But no, I'm happy. I'm I'm happy we're finally able to do this uh, via the power of the internet. Yes. Which, technology. Uh, technology is yeah. amazing. <laughs> So, Dalton, just kind of cliche question to get started here. What got you interested in wrestling? Um, I started watching it when I was really little. The first moment I can like tell you I remember of wrestling was um, X Pac joining DX. That was the that's the first time I can remember like remember watching it, and like so that's my first like cognitive memory of watching wrestling. But I watched it. From the time I was a baby to the five minutes ago before I we started recording, uh, right. I was I was on YouTube just watching matches and stuff. Like it's it's what I deal with or it's what I mainly watch, and I've just that's my first like remembrance of wrestling is X Pac joining DX. That's cool. I get a lot of people on here that kind of started watching in the ruthless aggression, so it's kind of cool to see somebody that kind of started watching in the Attitude Era. Yeah, uh, I very much like. I remember the Attitude Era. I remember a lot of it. Uh, but I, you're, I was so young. I was born in '92, and uh, I was so young whenever the Attitude Era was going that like I didn't even know WCW was a thing. So I only really knew about WWF at the time, and like I wasn't like a fan fan where I was getting online doing all this extra stuff until the Ruthless Aggression Era. Right. Yeah. So, um, what were kind of your, like, what were kind of some of your favorites growing up? Like, everybody's got those people they look up to. Of course, X-Pac. Oh, yeah, no, X-Pac is my, my favorite wrestler of all time. Uh, that list, it's, it's Mount Rushmore, it's one, it's one face, and it's X-Pac. Uh, you can put one, two, three, kid, and six there, and it's still the same. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, no, I was, it was the mid to late 90s, so my favorites were Stone Cold Steve Austin, I love Triple H. I loved X Pac, the New Age Outlaws. Like I love DX. Uh, pretty much anybody that WWF told me to love back then, because I was a kid. I was like six and eight years old. Uh, I was gonna love that person. Uh, hated Edge and Christian. Loved the Hardy Boys. Hated D- the Dudley Boys. Uh, Rob Van Dam was cool, but I mean that was still like that was getting into that ruthless aggression era that we were talking about. But um, yeah, no, I was a big Stone Cold fan. I DX was my my shit though. That was the I got super excited anytime they were on screen. I was one of the kids. Do you remember whenever Billy Gunn was in came to CCW? Yeah, I do. 
and he uh, did. He cut that promo in the ring saying, like, if you have a kid, you better, like, cover his ears right now because I'm not going to be responsible for your kid going to the principal's office. Uh-huh. I got in trouble when I was in kindergarten because I told the kindergarten teacher to suck it. That's uh, great. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, no, DX was probably my, my bread and butter favorites. But then also Stone Cold, anytime he did something. Uh, Biker Taker. I, I was really creeped out by Kane and Undertaker whenever it was, like, the ministry and all that. But whenever he came out with the motorcycle, that was amazing. Uh, still is, in my opinion. I will go back and watch any Biker Taker stuff because that stuff was just fun to me. But yeah, those were those were definitely my favorites growing up. Well, as I was like a little little kid, and then once like ruthless aggression hit, then it was the scene as an edges, and I kind of understood the dynamics of how wrestling worked more. So I started right. liking the bad guys because I was like I was very much a kid that only liked faces. Uh, that was that was it for me. And then once I kind of understood how wrestling worked, uh, I started enjoying the bad guys more. Yeah, that's kind of how I was, kind of. So I kind of started watching around the whole Cena versus Edge feud. And then kind of a couple years later, I think when Jericho came back, that's kind of whenever I started liking the heels more. Yeah, ah, man, that's there are so many amazing eras of wrestling that. A lot of people were just like, well, it wasn't this, so it was bullshit. And it's like, no, I still very much remember the Y or uh, what was it? The Save Us Y2J era. Mm-hmm. Like whenever yep. he, that was, oh man, he came back with the long tights with the numbers, the binary going down the side. That was cool. It was. <laughs> I hated Randy Orton. He was such a dick. Yeah, I hated Randy Orton too. But like, I think kind of as I got more into like the heels, I think I started eventually becoming a Randy Orton fan, and then he turned face, and then like I hated him because he yeah, just... <laughs> he's he's not, not. It's not that he's not good as a face. He's just like he is so good at being a dick, right? That anything else is just it, it's subpar. Uh, but yeah, no, there's so many good eras that I've got to like witness and like getting to see the best of. Like, it's like getting to see Michael Jordan in the 90s. Like, no, I got to see Michael Jordan in the 90s of wrestling, like, four different times. And it hits hard every time. So, uh, is there, I guess, is there anybody from your childhood that you've watched that you kind of take inspiration from today, like, in your own journey in wrestling? I, You know, I never really thought of that. Like, people that I, like, take inspiration from. But I've just talked to random people, and they I get the Mick Foley, uh, like comparison, way more than I rightfully should, uh, because that man's amazing. But that's the one that apparently I emulate a little bit. But like X Pac is my favorite, but I don't do anything that he does because I just not as athletic or as good as he was and is. Uh, but the Mankind one is the one that I've heard a couple of times. Like whenever I was starting out and I was just getting the hell beaten out of me all the time Mm -hmm. that was that was the one that i would hear but there's really not like from my child childhood i don't think there's anybody i really take inspiration from just because i don't that's a weird one i don't think i've ever really taken inspiration from one particular person i think i've stolen from like everybody like all of us do but i don't have like a archetype of this is what i want to be okay i could see the mcfoley comparison being yeah, it was one that I never really thought of, but like I, w- whenever a couple people mentioned it to me, I was like, oh no, I can kind of understand where that can can come from. 
granted, I haven't done near half the crazy stuff he is, has done, and I'm really hoping not to. Um, but that's the one that I've I've heard. So I'm not. That's not Dalton Anthony saying I emulate Mick Foley. That's other people talking to me about it. <laughs> well, I mean, Mick Foley is somebody that's like. Like, he's a part of wrestling, but at the same time, he really, really enjoys wrestling. And, I mean, just whenever you're in the ring, I kind of get that vibe from you, too. Yeah. I Any person I've ever been, like, training with, especially, like, some of the younger people at CCW that train, I tell them all the time. I was like, everything we do sucks. Like, on uh, mentally like and physically. Like, everything we do sucks. None of it's, like, fun. It's fun to do it. But it's not in like theory fun. Like falling as hard as you can is not fun. Right. And nobody can convince me otherwise. Is it enjoyable? Do I have a great time doing it? Yes. But you have to be in a certain headspace to know that like, hey, this is gonna suck, and I know it's gonna suck, and it may not suck now. It may not suck an hour from now, but like two, three day- days from now, it's probably gonna suck. And you like, but you still do it. That's what, that's what I tell people. It's like, once you can get to that point to where you don't care, you just know like a couple days are going to suck, you're golden. And that's a good place to be. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I I love getting in there and working. Uh, I had probably the most fun I think I've had in a while was the last CCW show. And my body sucked for like four days after it. You're talking about the one we just had, right? Yeah, where, where I faced Infinite. Okay. Yeah, because I've never, like, I was telling him, that dude is ignorantly strong. I've never been suplexed. I say, I, Mathis might have done it once, where I just got lifted, and I, like, don't remember posting for it. Where And Infinite tossed me around. He deadlifted me on one of those captures. And, like, I tried jumping, but he was too tall, and my leg was up in the air, so I couldn't, like, get my foot down. But he just yeeted me over his head like it was nothing. <laughs> and I've never really had that happen except for when I faced Roger a couple times. He's done that to me, but I've never been like where it's happened multiple times in a match like that. And it was so much fun. Um, but yeah, I was at work the le- like next couple of days and I was feeling worse for wear. But it's like a, like you were saying about McFoley, like, yeah, no, you enjoy it, though. Like it sucks, but it's really fun. Yeah. So um, kind of going back, you said training. Um, I know you kind of had your start in CCW. Like anybody that's listening, pretty much knows how that went. But uh, there's a little bit before that too that some people may not know. So like, what was your what was your start in wrestling? Um, if we're start, I mean, if we're starting whenever I started working in wrestling, it was whenever CCW got the Fight TV deal initially, and we were doing uh, me, Asa, Ali, and Shannon were doing PWU at the time, and we were giving advertisement to CCW because we were all four of us were in the mindset of if there's local wrestling in your area, and it is any monicum of good, you need to promote it because the only way that those companies survive are people promoting it. And it doesn't always have to be the workers. It can be people outside of it. We wanted to help bring as many eyes to CCW as possible. So we started doing review shows about them, started having Jason Wells, Lee, Ken. Uh, I think Barbed Wire was on a couple of early episodes. I think we had Billy Hill call in once. And we started building this relationship whenever they needed a commentary team. We were the people that they looked at of just like, no, these are the these are the voices that got us advertising it before. And we know that they know what they're doing or they can at least figure it out. 
So we'll have them commentate. And that went on for about a year, year to eight, 10 months. We were doing the fight TV deal. And then CCW started the training grounds uh, thing. And I, they were doing it at the, at gaming grounds, which I was working at at the time. And Lee was interviewing people. And at the end of my shift, which was when we were closing down, he said, yeah, you're probably too much of a, I'm pretty sure he used the word bitch. I'm going to say big Lee use bitch. Um, that sounds like something he'd say. Shout out to yeah, Big Lee. But shout out to Big Lee. Oh, yeah, no, and that's this isn't derogatory. And if you catch for a second more, he pretty much said you were too much of a bitch to to fill out for it. And I said, all right, cool, I'll do it. Like, I know, like he's like, are you serious? Like, I'll be there on that day. I was like, I got to be there anyway to do backstage interviews, so I'll, I'll train. And uh, mainly it was the Marty McFly uh, offense for me is where somebody called me chick and I have to do it. And that's how I started wrestling, which is the dumbest reason for anybody to start wrestling. You should want to start wrestling because it's what you want to do, not because somebody calls you out. But I've proven that it works (laughs) or it works a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I started training at CCW for a couple months and I was it was me. It was Trendle or Trent Daniels. It was Slammer. Um, We had Caleb Tripp with us. Uh, I think Big Nasty was in the first couple uh, training ground things. I know he was in the first one for sure. I don't remember if there was more after that that he went to, but I know he was there. Um, and then like Mathis's wife and then uh, Nia, it was all of us. And we, we got there, we put the ring together and we started bumping. Um, and then after a couple of months, Brandon pulled me aside and said, Hey, I think you could get really good at this, but this once a month thing isn't going to work for you because Trent had a little bit of wrestling background. Slammer wrestled for a couple of uh, promotions in the, in the area. I was the one that was showing growth, but I had I had no prior knowledge. And so I called Stride Pro Wrestling in uh well, they were based out of Marion at the time. And I was friends with those guys because we were doing podcasts with them or for them as well. We were we were advertising them on our show. And I said, Hey, um, I want to start training more. And I told them where I was in my training. I was like, I can do this, 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 and this, but I want to do more because I want to get better quicker, which is the only way when you're, especially if you're training, if you're listening to this and you're training, the only way you're going to get better is if you're doing it constantly. Um, so I started going to stride after about three or four months of CCW and that started February, 2018 sounds right. And then my That's first match, I, I want to say it was February, 2018 was my first, my first training session. And then, uh, yeah, my first match was like August 2018, and it was because I was training through Stride two to three times a week, and then I was doing the once a month at CCW. Um, that's kind of how the training started, and it kind of took off from there. My first match, a lot of people think that my first match was against Austin Lane at the best of the best two or three. Um, my first match was actually like a month before that at stride. I had like two or three matches before I wrestled Austin. Um, right. Because you were, uh, you were Dexter Roswell's assistant, right? Or somebody. I, I wasn't Dexter Roswell's assistant. This is some pretty fun shit right here. I was the personal assistant to a manager at stride, uh, Jay Wellington Beauregard. I was his personal assistant. Oh, okay. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's a funny story in and of itself, because I think that was actually supposed to be Trent. I think Trent was supposed to do that. Really? Yeah, I because I I have friends in Dallas that and I went to go see him that summer. It was there. It was a we taped it in the summer, 
that whole vignette and I came back and I like just drove like 10 hours the, the day before we filmed all that. And I trained that night. Like I got, I drove from Dallas to Cape and I went from Cape to Mary and trained. And then I woke up at like nine o'clock the next morning. Cause with my job, I wake up early all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Billy Hills texted me and said, Hey, I need you at this address in an hour and a half. Can you make it? And I was like, yeah, what's up? And he was like, you'll, I'll let you know when you get there. And I was like, all right, cool, whatever. I trust Billy enough. So I drove there and they said, all right, we're f-. it was me, it was uh, Jay Wells, um, Billy, and then Kevin Huntsberger was there. And they said, hey, we're going to do this whole uh, punishment for Jay Wells and Beauregard interrupting matches and you're going to be his assistant. I love and that promo so much. Like that was that was a great segment. That was that was so much fun um, to do. Uh, and like. I'm I'm forever grateful for that that whole vignette because it's what got me known as a character, and it gave me some, something to do for my first couple of months. Whenever I'm not a big character person in wrestling, like I like wrestling, but I'm not good at like characters at all. But it gave me something to do that was just like, all right, just kind of like cower behind everybody until they need to cower behind you, and it'll be even funnier. So like I had something to go for for a couple of months, and then it ended up being uh, Jay Wells split from Stride. I don't, and it just left where the DR party was kind of also not a thing anymore. So it was like, oh, me and Dexter can just team up. We can just be a tag team now, and that's how that all happened. But yeah, no, it was I was Jay Wellington Beauregard's personal assistant for a couple months, and then the CCW angle started with Austin, and then mm-hmm. eventually Shannon. Yeah, yeah, the Austin Lane match, um, which led into the formation of House 100, was happening. It either, oh no, the House 100 didn't form that night. It formed the next CCW show whenever I interrupted the championship match. I think is whenever that happened. But Shannon turning heel and be- well becoming a heel and being Mister 100 all happened on that first my first night wrestling at CCW. Yeah. And that eventually led to um, Super Show, where um, you got team with Marco, and uh, we're not going to say his name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, invisible, the Invisible Man. You got the team yeah, with the Invisible Man. Invisible Man and Marco. Uh, yep. You, I, and like, I'm not, I'm not upset at all. But you cut out some of my favorite moments in wrestling, and like that four or five months in between, because I got a team with Glacier. Yeah, that's right. Which is my favorite story of all time, which I mean, I don't think anybody's gonna get mad at me telling the full story, but it was whenever it was either Pillman or Matt Cross came to CCW. It was Matt Cross because um, I remember that because Pillman ended up being there the same night as uh, Glacier. But we like the CCW page was touting like, oh, we got this big independent star coming in for February, I think. And Asa and Shannon, or it was just Asa, kept saying, it's Glacier. It has to be Glacier. It's going to be Glacier. And Big Lee was getting, like, shoot mad about it. Because he was like, you're going to make it not look... And understandably, like, it wasn't unjustified for Big Lee to get mad. Because he was just like, it's going to not look as good if it's not somebody... Like, people are going to expect Glacier now. Right. It's the whole thing of with you and Otis Crowley, whenever everybody was expecting it to be Eddie Kingston. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it ended up being him, like, it felt a little flat. So, like, Lee was kind of getting salty about it. And me and Jason were hanging out at Jason's house. And he just called a guy and said, all right, uh, I booked Glacier for March. And <laughs> I lost my mind at that. I thought that was the funniest thing in the world. And I was like, what are you going to have him do? And he was like, oh, he's teaming with you and Billy. And uh, I got real scared real quick because 
that's somebody that's been wrestling forever and was like wrestling on like one of the biggest stages of all time. Um, and I actually messed up in that match super hard. And le- if you have an original cut of the match, you can see what I did. But it was like I was brand new to the wrestling and I messed up my own shine spot. I bumped when I should have rolled. And like Justin Smart, I was against Justin Smart. He tagged me in the corner and then we just redid the spot. And I felt so small at that moment. And I tagged in, like, I hit my, Justin let me get my spot back in, and I hit it, and then I just tagged out instantly. Like, I grabbed Justin's arm, put him in the shittiest uh, wrist lock of all time, and I just went to Billy and tagged out. And Billy said, what the hell was that? And I was like, I don't know, just get in here. And then the second, I was, so I was standing on the apron at that point with WW, or WCW star Glacier, and he pats me on the back and says, good job, baby, just keep your feet moving, make him forget it. And I just looked at him, and this was not Dalton Anthony. It was very much me as a human being. I just looked at him with all the earnesty in my eyes, and I said, thank you. I needed that more than you knew. And we just kept going with the match. But Glacier, like, that was probably, like, the coolest moment. Like, that Super Show moment was the coolest moment until everything happened. Um, But it's one of those, like, all right, so that kind of got taken from me, even though I love Marco. But the Glacier match was so much fun. But yeah, uh, going back to Super Show 3, that was that was the big blow-off for that whole story, and that was probably one of the cooler nights I've ever had in wrestling. Because, um, like, Marco, that was right after Marco broke his leg. It was like his second or third match back from that kind of injury. And then um, it was the big me-Shannon story. We kind of knew everything was going. Um, I was scared shitless. Uh, Caleb, because I did not know who my mystery uh, partner was until like four o'clock that day. Like for real, wow. like, they they did not tell me. Like nobody told me who it was until like he got there. I remember uh, I was in the locker or we were like in that breezeway before, like right next to the locker room at CCW. You've been back there, so you kind of know what I'm talking about, right? Um, and I'm talking to Mark, and we're talking about something stupid. I'm sure because it was us two, and then it was. For anybody listening, it was Joey Ryan. He comes in, and I look at Marco, and I'm like, oh, fuck you. And then I just walked off because I knew it was him at that moment. Because, like, <laughs> he was the only person not booked or that we didn't know was booked. Um, So, yeah, I didn't know who my p- opponent was or my partner was until, like, two or three hours before that match. Um, So we got through the match. It was okay. Uh, ev- a lot of really experienced people were working around somebody with no experience. And I feel like that match went as well as it could have. There was a lot of things I could have done better, but I was also brand new to the business. So, like, it was okay. And then the stipulation was if who if my team won, I got to be in the ring with Shannon for five minutes, I think was the, the gimmick. Yeah. And right. uh, I just remember, like, as we were kind of talking through everything that night, they said, all right, cool. So Shannon's going to, like, powder out of the ring. Or Shane is going to try to leave, and then Road Warrior Animal is going to make him get in the ring. And I'm just sitting there being like, this is more than what any one person deserves, let alone somebody that does not deserve to be in that spot at the time. Like, I got a team with national stars. Um, I got to be in the ring with a couple of, like, my really good friends. And then a WWE Hall of Famer is making somebody get back in the ring and then making it a Chicago street fight. I was like, this is the dumbest thing ever, and I'm here for it, and I loved it. And it's probably, like, the most cherished moment, I think, that I will probably ever have in wrestling, even barring the mystery partner aside, because it was really cool to see a story like that kind of play out and getting to be a part of it. And it was one of those things where it was kind of – it was 
it was very much made for me. Like it was one of those things that that story could only have been used for me the way that it did where it was me and Shannon's personal history. And then Shannon makes my life a living hell into, all right, well, you weren't the only friend that I actually have. Look at this. And then building up to like, all right, me, Marco, Joey, and then against house 100 and then leading into me and Shannon wrestling each other, which was Shannon's first wrestling match. Um, was it pretty? No. Was it super memorable and something I'll probably always cherish to my dying days? Of course. Um, but like that whole storyline, I got to wrestle so many good people. And I got like, I got such a good education on how everything should work in wrestling that first like six months of my time at CCW. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I kind of had my doubts about you getting over as the underdog character, so to say, because like, I know before that you were kind of, uh, everybody kind of likes to call Dalton Anthony, the rib character of Podzilla 1985 still to this day. And oh, yeah, I, wasn't, yeah. I just wasn't sure if it would work with you being like the guy that everybody's supposed to believe is like, the underdog so to say but i mean i was wrong you made it work really well yeah and that's a that's a testament to jason wells as like a whole because like he had his hand in that whole story um it was very much him telling shannon what he wanted and then shannon kind of produced me it was shannon produced me a lot uh brandon barbar produced me a lot and justice smart very much walked me he held my hand that entire feud um, so it was like, but it was Jason's writing that got us from point A to point B. And I remember it wasn't supposed to be me and Shannon after that thing. I thought it was initially when it got pitched to me, it was going to be me and Austin work like a couple shows in a row. And that okay. was going to get me into CCW. And I was like, that sounds fun. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get over as a face against Austin. Even, even though Austin was that killer heel character, everybody loves Austin Lane so much. Cause he's so damn good. Right. But I remember I was I got done training one night at Stride, and this was probably two weeks before the match actually happened. And Jason called me and said, uh, well, Shannon told me the plan that Jason pitched was, which was what happened that night. Um, I go for the elbow drop, which we didn't know what I was going for at the time. We just knew I was going to get tollied. Um, Shannon pulled my, my foot, I crotch, and then Austin beats me. Um, and I did not like that idea at first because it was one of those things where it was, all right, this was a vehicle to get me into the CCW roster, not this whole big thing that I didn't know it was supposed to be. It was, I was being selfish whenever I initially heard it. I didn't like it, but I trusted Jason enough to be like, no, this will work because almost everything else he's done has worked. So there's no reason this wouldn't work. And it worked like I remember whenever I came out the next show at CCW and I kicked Austin in the balls, it got a huge pop. And then like facing Justin, those matches progressively got better, but the crowd got behind me more and more to the point of whenever Marco came out and made the save the show before super show, that was a pretty hot angle where it was like, all right, we got a mystery opponent in, we have Marco coming back and it's going to be against house 100 who we kind of want to see get punched in the mouth. And, oh, if Dalton's team wins, he gets to actually punch Shannon in the mouth. Mm -hmm. So, And, like, I just remember that was probably – I think there might have been one other show that I think I've ever wrestled that was louder super, than Super Show 3 for me. Um, And that – like, I just remember that whole, like, the elbow drop on uh, – I think it was Rough Shot. 
the crowd popped and I was like, that was good. And then it just got louder and louder to the end whenever I chucked Shannon through the door. That was insane. Mm -hmm. Like how loud it was. And I like watched it back on fight TV a few days later and I was like, no, it was really loud. That wasn't just my, that wasn't my brain telling me that it was loud. Cause I was like invisible audiencing myself thinking that I was super important. No, they were just, the crowd was that interested in that story. Yeah. So it was cool to really get to like, not a lot of people get to do that and get that kind of feeling. Definitely not a lot of people get to be that new in wrestling and get that. Cause like I've gone to other promotions and very much been the job guy, which is fun. I love doing that so much more. It's a lot less pressure, but like that was truly amazing to get to do that whole story. And I, appreciate everybody kind of having the faith in me and Shannon to being able to tell that story and then putting the right pieces with us to do so. Cause we were two very underproved people um, that they just kind of said, we're going to put this story around him and we're going to hope it works. And then they gave us the proper tools to do so. It was really cool to like, that was an amazing angle as a whole. Yeah, it was just the whole build up to super show three, like looking back at it, that's probably that's probably one of my favorite stories that CCW's ever done, honestly. It's it's not mine. It's definitely in like my personal top five. Um, but like Ace versus Jackson, man. That whole like series like that match and then everything leading up to that match was so much fun. Brandon and Austin's like trilogy of matches for that. And that was like the first thing I saw from CCW was like ricochet Austin links. I wasn't at the first show, but I saw the ricochet. I was my first show was at that ricochet ricochet show and getting to see that. And then building into Brandon and Austin, those were probably some of my favorite matches CCW has ever done. But like, yeah, it's, it was definitely one of the more important stories that CCW had done up until that point, because we just gotten off the pinnacle and then we went to a different like different heel stable, and it was like, all right, well, who's going to be the Austin Lane to House 100? And it was like, oh, well, it's this person that was a commentator. And I also, just so you know, I'm with you. I didn't think it was going to work. I did not think that was going to work at all. And it ended up being like a really cool storyline as a whole. Yeah, the thing I liked about it, like you said, Jackson versus Ace and Brandon versus Austin, like those were really, really great stories but the thing i enjoyed about you versus house 100 is um just kind of so for those of you that know who i am outside of this podcast um i'm not in the best shape but just kind of looking at you and shannon and just kind of seeing characters that i can maybe relate to a little better you know what i mean yeah and i think that's i think that's why i have some appeal at ccw of if I go out there and I get this shit kicked out of me, like they're like, Oh, I'm not a larger than life character. I very am. I very much am the person that you would see on the street. Like I'm not an Adonis. I don't do flippy stuff. Cause I can't, cause I'm not in that kind of shape, but like I go in there and I try to make it as believable as possible along with like getting to look like the everyman. Even yeah, though, like, I, yeah, like, it's 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 a weird dynamic, and I, like, I get what you're saying, and you're absolutely right. I think that was what the appeal of that storyline was, was I was not an athlete. Or at least right. people didn't think I was. Right, you were just kind of, you were just kind of like everybody else, sort of, to say, sort of-ish. Yeah, and that was, and that was, a lot of my, like, goofy-looking offense came from that, where it was like, all right, I can't, like, 
moonsault and do shit like that. I can do that little pendulum kick that Christian did, and I confused Justin with it a couple times, and the crowd <laughs> loved that. And, like, my little roll-through dropkick spot, like, they were like, oh, Dalton can get in there and, like, avoid getting hit. And if he can avoid getting hit enough, he can tag out or he can hit them back. And that was kind of like, that's kind of how I developed all of my thing was just like, I don't, because if you ever watch one of my matches, I really don't have a dominant, like, move set. All of my stuff very much comes, comes off of, like, dodges and stuff like that, because I'm not a quote-unquote athlete so i try to make it look like well i can't out i can't like outstrength somebody but i can definitely outmaneuver them and i can probably avoid getting hit just enough to hit them back yeah and you know that kind of goes back to that mick foley comparison that people make with yeah you I and guess mick that, foley. yeah i guess that makes sense because like i'm not the most imposing person in the world but if i can just stay in there long enough to wait for somebody to goof i can probably attack them back and I think it's made for a really fun move set and somebody that's kind of, I would like to think I'm fun to watch for the audience. I personally don't like watching my matches, but like <laughs> I, I have, I have a small fan base in my area of people that like enjoying me wrestle like at CCW and stride. So I think it's my mindset on how I need to move in the ring has kind of benefited me, even though I'm not the infinite or I'm not like Justin smart where I'm not like where I am not a powerful or hard hitting person. But what I do, I can at least do well enough. Right. So um, after Super Show, you kind of you kind of have your thing with Heath Hatton, and then um, after that, I think after that was when you and uh, Slammer kind of started being a thing. Yeah. So I wrestled uh, Heath a couple times at CCW, and then. Um, we were we were closing in on the uh, horror con uh, show, which was the one with Raven. And Jason pitched to me because I wasn't doing anything after Tyler left or Hatton left. I hadn't I, like I didn't have a storyline or anything. So I think the joke was I just bought Sadie. Uh, my girlfriend just got me the Chalkline Macho Man jacket for my birthday. It was right off of that, and I was so I was wearing it around because I loved that jacket. And Jason said, oh, for the Halloween show, can you be the Randy Savage to Slammers Hogan? And I said, of course, uh, thinking that it was going to be like I was playing into the joke. <laughs> and then so we had that show that was like mid to late October. We had that first weekend of October. We had the the German days, which was that super cold show. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I was like, uh, I got to face a Washington in his CCW debut and I just asked Jason, I was like, what, what's, what's the finish you want? And he said, you're going to headbutt Zay, because I just started using the headbutt a whole lot, like in Illinois, Missouri. He's like, you're going to headbutt Zay like four times off the top rope, and then you're going to do a diving headbutt on him, and you're going to knock yourself unconscious on top of him and win the match. And I was like, okay. And he was like, and then Slammer's going to come pick you up, and you're going to be Randy Savage after that <laughs> and i said so we're just gonna jay lethal it right and he was like yeah but like don't get hit in the head and then be jay lethal just don't get hit in the head and i was like all right cool whatever so we did that for i did the savage thing for like two or three shows because i did it for october i only did it for two shows yeah i did it for october and november and then addison kane whacked me in the head and the hit me with that 
vicious chair shot in November and it popped me back into Dalton Anthony, but it made me, that's how it started being slammer and house 100. Cause that was off of the next show would have been the riot match in 2020. Right. Man, that feels like four years ago. It does. Like, <laughs> like, with, like this, this COVID pandemic seems like it's been like five years. It really does. Cause when I think about it, I was like, that really only was a year and like two months ago. But that was like, cause that was like two shows before COVID started. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was right before everything shut down because, um, yeah, it was January, 2020. And I just remember being like, I've never been healing Cape. I also hadn't been healing like five months anywhere. Cause stride turned me face. And I was like, I haven't got to work heal and I'll get to be heal with Shannon and I'll have slammer with me. So like, I can probably run my mouth a whole lot. And be fine because I'll have Slammer with me. I'll have that. And I had Micah was my manager at the time, and she's a, an amazing dickhead. Um, she is top notch shit talker. So I was like, we could probably have a lot of fun with this being in House 100. And then COVID happened, so we had like the Charleston show in February with Rhino, which was like late February, and then two weeks later everything shut down because it was it was. Uh, lethal, well, it could have been Lethal Leap Year. We didn't call it that because it was February 29th. I remember this clear as day. I got punched by Rhino. And then the two weeks from then, I won the Stride Champions with Championship with uh, the tag belts with Jay. And then I was supposed to team with Otis Crowley the next week at CCW and Delta, and that show got canceled. Yeah, I think I think it was like the week of – yeah, the week of that show is when everything yeah. kind of – because I remember I was like – I so I'm a school teacher, so they were talking about shutting the schools down, and I was like, all right, cool. Um, and I just won the belts at Stride. That's the only, that that's my like guide of when everything shut down was it was right after I won that belt. Um, won that, and I was like, all right, cool. I get it. It was I think it was supposed to be me and Jackson, or not Jackson. It was supposed to be me and Otis versus uh, Osby and Cash. And I think I I think they build it as the main event. And I was super excited for this match because it's one of those, like, I like wrestling people that I either A, haven't wrestled with, or B, I think is going to be a test to see if I can, like, elevate my my status somewhere. And I felt like that match was going to be a really good point to test myself. Like, if not in front of, for the crowd, for my own personal ability, because, like, Otis is amazing. I, like, and I've never been in the ring with him. I wrestled Cash once or twice between Illinois and Missouri. And I love Cash, and Osby was somebody that I wanted to get in the ring with. So I was like, this is going to be a good gauge of, am I, do I deserve to be here? And then it just didn't happen. Yeah, it's just unfortunately one of those matches where we'll never know. Yeah, and I mean, it's not to say, like, there's no reason that I won't end up in the ring with Otis or Cash in the near future. Right. It's 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 always a possibility. Uh, Cash is coming off of injury in a couple weeks, and, like, with CCW, you never know. It looks like the Crowleys are becoming a tag team everywhere. And guess who's also in a tag team at CCW? I've also never wrestled Jackson. So, like, as bummed out as I was about that match, it's like after seeing how everything's been, like, oh, no, I might get another opportunity at those guys. Not, not Osby. I think he's retired. But, there's like, it was just a bummer. And then everything shut down around it. So it was like, well, I don't get that match. And now I don't get to do anything. Because, like, I... COVID happened, and I think it was a good two months before I wrestled again for Stride whenever they were doing the empty arena shows. So it was it was a bummer on top of it, 
to like get a test myself as a heel at CCW and then just nothing. And then whenever we came back, it was me and Slammer against uh, Justin and Donnie, which I was super grateful for. We did the two or three matches with them and then we turned back face with Shannon at Super Show 4. Right, whenever uh, the Pinnacle reunited and... Yeah, which again, that was that was another can't believe that worked. Like I can't believe that we were able. I was I was super iffy on it if we were going to be able to turn face all at the same time, but it worked somehow. And I think as again, that's just a Jason Wells thing of something that not a lot of people think will work if he's just like, no, just do it exactly like I want you to, and put a little bit of your own flair to it. It'll be fine. And that ended up turning all of his face again. Well, me, it turned me and Slammer face again, and it made Shannon a face. And uh, we've been kind of not in House 100, I think. I don't know. Maybe. Possibly. Yeah, that's still kind of a not-so-sure kind of thing. Yeah, like, I, I, I'm i at CCW, and I'm having a whole lot of fun, except for the fact that I got Ugly Infinite and his ugly buddy uh, messing with me now, because my buddy wasn't there. Uh, but, like... I don't like we house 100. I'm not sure. I know that they have a lot of stacked people right now. So Shannon may not meet, need me in slammer, but, uh, yeah, uh, that whole is kind of a question, but yeah, it turned his face and I've had a lot of my like most fun moments in wrestling have happened in like the last four or five CCW shows. Yeah. I mean, at the, I think the show after super show, you had a Dalton section, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that <laughs> six man. Yeah, thank you. I appreciated that because I got so much heat for caring about people. Um, <laughs> we don't have the, to get into <laughs> Yeah, no, we don't have to get into it. I'll just say that I got heat for caring about people, and like it's that, and we both know what I mean. So that's all that matters. That's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So that was a lot of like the six mans with Q and Slammer was a lot of fun. We had a another six man against Infinite. Uh, like the show after and I did the scramble match that night um, and just getting to be in there with like a lot of really young hungry talent which like I'm not saying that I'm not young and hungry but like that scramble match if you look I was like the oldest person <laughs> in, in that entire match because I'm 28 years old and uh, I started wrestling later than than some except for Slammer he's the only guy that started later than me in the CCW locker room I think Um but, like, I was in the ring with all these, like, younger people that can do all this, like, really cool shit. And it's like, oh, this is how all this is supposed to work. Leo is older than me. Leo's a little bit older than me. But that was a lot of fun. And then getting that six-man with uh, Infinite and then Chris Hendricks and ATM, that was a lot of fun. Just getting to work with those guys. Because they're super talented. I, I don't know what Mike Outlaw does with those guys at uh, Dynamo, but he's amazing. Because those two guys are they were a lot of fun to work just to find out that that was their first match too. Yeah. I always put over Mike outlaw here. Uh, one of the, probably one of the better trainers in the Midwest in my opinion. Yeah. And that's um, not, that's not taking anything away from anybody else. But like you said, mm-hmm. just what does Mike outlaw do with these guys? Yeah. Because I remember they, those guys came to CCW. I think it was super show four. It's, and they just wanted to help like set up and train. And it was me and Justin because Brandon either wasn't going to be there or no, because we thought we thought Barbara had COVID. So he wasn't at Super Show 4, I don't think. And then um, ended up these guys were really good. And I just assumed they worked up in the St. Louis area. And then I got to wrestle then two of them 
Chris Hendrickson ATM at the like two shows from then, mm-hmm. which was that that September show before we just didn't have CCW for a couple months. And everything they did was super crisp and clean and made sense. And they both posted on Twitter like that night that they had their first match in front of a paying crowd. And I got inf- like so angry because that's just talent, <laughs> talent you want to slap. Right. Because like they listened well, like they did everything they needed to do. They were getting the crowd mad at them. Like it would, they did a really fantastic job. And I had like super minimal experience with Mike Outlaw at that point. Like I think I'd met him a couple times. Um, and I watched him work, of course, but like he was super polite to me. And then just to see that he just trains these just potential stars is just like, oh yeah, no, that dude is amazing. I hope he sticks around because he's an amazing talent and also just really good at training people. Yeah. Because isn't I'm not 100 percent sure. You might have to correct me. Dynamo Pro isn't it him and I think Camaro Jackson isn't those the two that mainly train up there. Uh, so I know Outlaw's one of them. I think Camaro a little. I can't 100 percent confirm Camaro, but I know Camaro is. I know he does Dynamo shows. Like whenever okay. they were when they were running, he was doing Dynamo shows. Yeah, and like Dynamo, like they put out consistent talent. Like. Isn't that also, like, where Savannah Stone came from and James Brady and all them? Yeah, that's right. They kind of got their start there. And then, yeah. like, Seisheen, which that's somebody I wish we could get back at CCW more often than not. She's amazing, too. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, September happened. Had those two shows. Enjoyed that those two sets of match, like that match, those two matches that night. And then we came back last weekend, and I just kind of forgot how much I enjoyed wrestling for CCW. So I've been actively wrestling at Stride, which I love. That's my other home promotion. But it's it's a different atmosphere. Whereas, like, Stride is very much a family promotion, it feels like. Where, like, no, we pretty much only have our... Um, and Unless we go to a school, we, like, we have our dedicated fans. And since it's Illinois and they're super locked down still... Like, we really can only get our dedicated fans there. Right. Um, whereas CCW, like, it's not bigger, but it's different. Like, there's people there that have never seen me wrestle. That's how that's what it felt like on Charleston. And it's a different yeah. atmosphere. I was trying to make people, like, it was fun. I walked out there, and people were booing me, and I was wearing a Charleston t-shirt. <laughs> and I was like, I just remember, I turned around to Micah, and I was like, this crowd hates me. Let's go. And I just, like tried getting them around, and then I, they ended up liking me more as the match went on. But it was just one of those things where it's like I hadn't had that feeling in a while, getting booed when I shouldn't have been. Yeah. And it was it was a fun thing, but yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at in my wrestling journey right now, and the long and short of it. That's cool, man. Well, I mean, like I said, you're a really thing I like about you is you're a really relatable character, and um, obviously you put in your work and you love this craft. So I mean, keep doing what you're doing, man. Thanks, thanks. Um, we got we got like fan questions and stuff. Did I? Oh yeah, yeah. We got okay. Some I was like, Definitely. I was like, I was. I didn't know if we were wrapping up. I was like, I think there was questions, but I wasn't sure. And I was like, uh, I mean, we can stop if you want, but I didn't know. Nah. Um, we, uh, all right, cool. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, so um, I think you already kind of answered Michael Goodman's question um about kind of being involved in house 100 and is house 100 going to do anything about pinnacle um well i can let michael goodman know uh, personally dalton anthony and this is uh, my views do not express the same as house 100 i can say that right now because i don't know if i'm part of it but billy hills hit me with georgia at super show four 
And Billy Hills is one of those people that I have respected for the longest time. But he needs to know that when he hit me with that, I didn't forget it. It co- took a couple days to realize it happened because he kind of knocked me out. But I haven't forgot. And I left early the last show, but I heard he decided to make a uh, comeback, I think is what happened at the end of uh, the Charleston show. So if he's there, I just want him to know that I don't I, – I, I haven't forgot about it. So Pinnacle is still very much on my radar. I don't know how Slammer feels about it, but they, they're not somebody I forgot. Whether I have to do it with House 100 or not is a different story. Slammer probably just wants to body slam Billy Hills. I, you got to rein him in. You, he's a sweet he's a sweet man, but you got to rein him in sometimes. I just need Slammer to know that like I haven't forgot about it. If we got to go to Pinnacle without House 100, that's perfectly fine. I hope that's a good enough answer for Michael Goodman. Oh, that's good, man. Yeah. I love I love Slammer. I wasn't trying to knock him, just kind of, you know. Oh, no. I, <laughs> I just, buddy, buddy, brother, brother, he's mine. Brother, brother, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, if if Billy's in the ring, Slammer will try to body slam him. You got to rein that in sometimes. Because yeah. I, I try to tell him, it's not always about body slam. Sometimes you just kick a dude in the head and it does the same thing. That's true. <laughs> and your lower back doesn't hurt later from it. It's a, it's a good middle ground. And I try to teach that to Slammer, but he's something about this guy that wears yellow and red just is really appealing to him even though i think he's he's got black and white gear now yeah i heard he finally got that hollywood gear we had him on we had him on the show in the past and he was supposed to get that and i think it took so long (laughs) i think it took a full calendar year to get it with covid and everything but yeah peeling the curtain back caleb he messaged that to me right when we turned i think he he messaged he showed me the night that we turned of this gear and i said dude i love it he's mm-hmm. like yeah it should be in, in a couple of months and then he works like i think it's eldon missouri <laughs> and he's wearing it and i'm like well i'm happy to see your gear finally came in <laughs> but yeah no so, uh, but yeah no michael I'm, I'm, i haven't forgot about the pinnacle i just i gotta wait for my moment i don't know if i have a house behind me or not uh, there you go michael goodman uh big john jonathan graham he's got a few questions uh who's your dream opponent um, locally, it's Brandon Barbwire. Um, he was the first guy that trained me, and I feel like between me and him, we could have a good match. Uh, belt or no belt, I don't care. But like, that is the match that if I if you ask me, like, you can only wrestle one more time, and it's who is it going to be? It would be Barbwire. Um, just because I want. I've been able to wrestle everybody else that's trained me. I haven't been able to wrestle him. Or I have uh, Red Daniels, but I don't know if he's wrestling anymore. Yeah, um, I, I haven't heard anything about Red Daniels in a while. So, like, I've... But those are the two that tr- helped train me that I've never wrestled. I've wrestled Dexter, Dexter Roswell. I've wrestled with and against Jay Spade. I've wrestled Tyler Hatton. Um, barbed Wire's the only one. Uh, so that's the one I want. Um, there's a couple other people I would love to wrestle. Uh, Anakin Murphy, I would love to get in the ring with him. Uh, he's somebody that impresses me a whole lot. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, like you have your St. Louis guys that, like Gary J, I think would be fun um, to get that experience. Uh, not fun to wrestle. I've seen him. Uh, <laughs> and I think I think he would murder me, bring me back to life, and murder me again. But uh, I would totally be down for it. Um, I would love here's and here's another dream match that I wish I could get the wrestling buddies versus the besties in the world. 
I kind of want it. Uh, I think between me and Jay, we could definitely hang with him. Uh, and then if, and so Jonathan gets both tag teams, me and Slammer versus the Midnight Express. All right. Not saying it would ever happen. I don't know if it ever, I don't even know if that's a possibility, but, or not the Midnight Express, it's fucking Rock and Roll Express. Rock and Roll uh, Express. Yeah, I hey, don't that, know why I said Midnight. <laughs> hey, that's, pos- that's possible. They still do stuff. I know, right? And if there's a team that I think is made for me and Slammer, it's those two. I think it would be great. I think the Rock and Roll Express versus the Mega Brothers would be so much fun for everybody involved. Um, well, at least Slammer. It would be fun for me and Slammer involved. <laughs> yeah, I also, I, I also like the the rest, Wrestle Buddies versus the Besties. Like that's a that's a marketable match there. Like the Buddies versus the Besties. Yeah, and then like there's so many tag teams that I wish that me and Jay could wrestle, but we just really don't get the opportunity. Like Roscoe, at least the Young Goats. The me and uh. We were supposed to wrestle. Uh, it was supposed to be the match that I heard at one point for Stridiversary last year before everything shut down. The match that I heard for the belts were Kings of Destiny, which was Mathis and Hargis, me and Jay, the wrestling buddies, and then it was supposed to be the Crowleys. Oh wow! That match got tossed, and they like it was like, oh, this is something that might happen, and I was like, make that a thing, please make that a thing, because I just like it's the whole do you want to see a dead body thing. Like, yeah, that would be stupid because Jay is somebody I look up to all the time. I'm just being like, we'll put his body through whatever he needs to, to get a match done. And then just like all those teams. But yeah, I know the bet, like I think of matches for me and Jay that I think that would be a lot of fun. Roscoe, Lisa versus wrestling buddies would be ignorantly fun. The, um, oh, I can't say the last name, so I'm very sorry. But the lethal injection, is it the Skimahorns? Yeah, the skim horns. I would love to wrestle those guys, me and Jay. Um, there's so many good tag teams in this area right now that I think would be fun to wrestle. So, like, singles, Brandon Barbwire, wrestling buddies, besties in the world, Mega Brothers, Rock and Roll Express. That's a solid list there. Yeah, I think that sums up all of my, my things right now. <laughs> uh, so, John's bit, uh, Big John's next big question is Slammer or Jay Spade? He's trying to he's trying to he's trying to drive a wedge between you guys, I guess. Um and it goes very much based off of longevity and who I've wrestled with more. It's Jay Spade. Um we've been a tag team for a year and some change now. Which I mean Slammer and I have been a tag team longer, but we have had such fewer matches compared to me and Jay. I've gotten to the point now with Jay to where we just kind of flow off each other perfectly and we're able to play off each other and our matches can be a mixture of different things. Whereas I enjoy teaming with Slammer. We have a lot of fun when we're in the ring and I like, I I personally, I get proud of Slammer anytime I team with him because he shows a little bit more of what he can actually do. But if you're just like gun to head, um, I always say like, if you were to have a match right now against a tag team champion, who would you want it to be? I'm like, I would want Jay by my side, and I would want it to be against Johnny, Donnie and Justin. Just because, again, Dangerous and Delicious versus Wrestling Buddies, I don't think it's as marketable as Bessies versus Buddies, but I think the four of us would kill it. I think, I think you would, too. That's a that's a match I didn't know I needed until now. 
Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's they have held the CCW championships for almost a year, and me and Jay have held the Stride Tag Team Championships for over a year. And it's like, oh no, that match would be really stupid, like really stupid in all the best ways. Um, but that being said, I don't, I wouldn't give, I, I'm not giving up Slammer anytime soon as a tag team partner. So, right, I get the best of both worlds, Jonathan. Uh, I hope that answered your question well enough. <laughs> yeah. So, so now that you said you both have been tag champions for over a year, like, like, what if scenario if CCW and Stride were ever to do like a CCW versus Stride show? I think that would probably be one of the big matches on the card is Wrestle Buddies versus Dangerous and Delicious. Yeah, I think you're right. Just because it's two very dominant tag teams in two different ways, um, and it's really hard to say who would win in that one. Because Donnie and Justin know me like the back of their hand, but Jay Spade has never stepped foot in a CCW ring. Yeah, I mean and he'd I, be kind of a he'd be kind of a wild card, so to say. And that is a very apt word for that man. But um, he's one of those people. Jay is one of those most underrated talents I think I've ever gotten to be in the ring with, because he's so good at almost everything. He can make you laugh. He can like, I've pulled inspiration from Jay. If you, there's a lot of selling that if you see me do, if I take a big shot and you take Jay a bit, see a big shot, I steal almost a lot of what he does. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's one of those that if yeah, if, it, if there was ever a Stride versus CCW show, Wrestling Buddies versus Dangerous and Delicious, I think would probably be one of the biggest matches that A needed to happen and B would probably be one of the bigger ones to be there. Yep. Just because we're both we both held the tag belts at our respective companies for a year or a year or almost over a year and we're kind of the flag bearers of our divisions. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get to see that match one day tag champions or not. Yeah. I, I think that's one of those Justin smarts, one of those people that I would wrestle until I died and be super happy or until he killed me, which is kind of the same thing. <laughs> uh, one more question from Jonathan. Um, this is kind of where we kind of get into the music now. Uh, he wants to know if, you like the auto saxophone or the tenor saxophone more? Yeah, he told me there was a question that was going to judge if he was still a fan of me, and I think it was this one. And I think oh. I'm going to get—I think I'm going to give him the wrong answer uh, mm. because I have a degree in music education. So, you're, so and, what you're telling—so what you're telling me is you're a music teacher. Yeah, uh, well, so called. Um, <laughs> Had to get yeah, that out there. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I, it's alto saxophone, and it's only because I played French horn for five years through middle and high school, and I was always in the same section group as alto saxophones, so I relate to them. Um, that being said, I was a bass and choir, and I really like the sound of the tenor sax, but gun to head, alto saxophone all day long. Have you heard Careless Whisper by George Michael? It's a banger, and mm -hmm. it's because of that saxophone. It's because of that saxophone. Yeah, uh, I got I gotta agree with you there. Yeah, and the tenor sax is a great instrument. It does everything it needs to do, but that alto saxophone, man, it's that's where it's at. It's the jazz in me. I got I gotta love it. Um, so I hope that was the right answer. It might not have been. Not sure, but <laughs> there it was. So few people might know this about me. Um, I actually played the alto saxophone in school. Nice. I didn't know that. I didn't know that there was a, a music background with you. I mean, I mean, there's a little bit like I never really got 
super into it, but like it's just you know it's just one of those skills that stays with you, kind of like riding a bike. Like I could probably pick up a novel saxophone and still know how to play it, even though I haven't done it in like probably ten years now. Yeah, I I will let you know my biggest fear right now um, is having to do any kind of music performance because I have like tremendous stage fright. And I always have. Uh, and like some of the most nerve wracking things I've ever done in my life was all music performances. I get a little nervous wrestling, but you usually have to like watch somebody punch you in the face. So you're preoccupied with stage fright. Like I'm super like I'm super like freaked out during all of my entrances. But once I get in the match, I'm good because I got to make sure I'm not getting kicked. But like it. music, man, I haven't performed like with now through school, like I've performed with my students in the last like well since COVID, not I've it's been like a over a year, but I haven't performed like myself. Uh, I was like 23, so like five six years ago, and it's like oh yeah no I have nightmares about it Caleb. Uh, <laughs> I'm in my I'm sitting in my college classroom and they say you have to do your entire senior recital right now from memory. And I'm like freaking out. And then I have the thought, I'm 28 years old and I have my teaching degree. I don't need to do this. And then I wake up and then I realize that like I'm just a big baby about things. Hey, I'm the same way sometimes <laughs> with certain things. But yeah, uh, so yeah, it's music's cool. I love music a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah it's neat. Yeah. Kind of based my, my whole life around it, music and wrestling. Yeah. Um, Michaela Mitten, this is our final fan question for tonight. Um. She wants to know, what's your favorite throwback song? Ooh, that's a loaded question. Um, If I'm throwing it back to high school, uh, Heroes Get Remembered But Legends Never Die from four year, by Four Years Strong. Four Years Strong is probably my favorite band from high school and like that I still listen to today. Uh, if I'm throwing it back even further... Um, it probably something uh it's all right to be little bitty by or itty bitty by alan jackson okay uh because my mom raised me on all that stuff or like uh any matchbox 20 because again my mom was very uh, it was alternative rock or alternative mom rock so matchbox 20 and then like early 90s country so like alan jackson uh friends in low places is one of the greatest songs of my entire life uh still garth brooks is amazing um but yeah, no, those are probably my throwback songs. It's very weird. But yeah, those are probably it. If it was a quarantine, anything BTS, because uh, that's all I did during quarantine was listen to music and play video <laughs> games. And I got into K-pop really hard because uh, mm. of Sadie. So like, I listen to so much K-pop now. But yeah, it's so, like, depending on when you're throwing it back, it's a, a really different answer. Yeah, I'm kind of like I am. I'm kind of like you are. Like, I got a good mix of everything. Like, um. I think I was talking with the Skimmerhorns about this on the episode we did. Like, if I'm if I'm on the road, I gotta listen to hip hop. But like, if I'm just kind of kicking back, relaxing, I listen to like grunge music. Yeah, uh, I was hip hop. I one of my best friends from college. Uh, he's getting married next weekend, and I went to his bachelor party or his bachelor hangout. I guess is what I should call it. Last night, and we just listened to Childish Gambino around everybody for like. 50 minutes because that's all me and my my buddy chris listened to in college and then like it's one of those like man i forget how good some musicians are because like you just you kind of grow out of listening to something because you've listened to it so much but then like revisit it a couple like months years later 
and you forget how good it really was or is. Yeah, that's how I am with uh, that's how I am with Eminem. Dude, Eminem's so good. Like, yeah, yeah, no, that's another one of those Michael Jordan situations where it's like, no, we kind of got to grow up seeing one of the best rappers of all time. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Kanye West still hits super hard for me. Yeah, sometimes. I late registration and college dropout are amazing. I, and I understand why you, you, you made that sound, but like, yeah, no, he's still, I went up to St. Louis a couple, like a month ago and I just put on his essentials playlist from app on Apple music. And it's like, man, he was also super ahead of his time. Like music wise, like hip hop. Yeah, no, Kanye's really good. I love Eminem. Yeah. Someone yeah, Kendrick Lamar's amazing. Uh, somebody I like that I might get a little heat with certain people with is uh, Lil Wayne. Uh, the Carter three and after before, yeah, pretty solid. Uh, it was he started doing a lot of weird things, but like they weren't great. Let's, Kanye West gets heat, but like he is great at every kind of music he does. Whether you like it or not is one thing, but like. All of his albums feel different, and they're all amazing in their own way. But, like, Lil Wayne tried to do that pop-punk thing while rapping, and it just didn't work for him. Because, like, to me, it felt unauthentic, but, like, The Carter Three is one of the best albums of all time. Uh, That was an amazing album. So I'll give you you the Lil Wayne point on that. That is Mm -hmm. an amazing album. But everything past that, like, he had a couple of good ones. But not a lot that I can get behind. Six foot, seven foot's a banger. That was like the one song after Carter Three that I'm like, yeah, no, I guess he can still make amazing music. I personally, I personally like Carter Five, but I mean, I can kind of see like everything after that kind of being. But I didn't know he got to five. Yeah, they got Carter Five out. It's been I, out for a few years now. That's how much I haven't listened to Lil Wayne. I didn't know that he got to five. I know four was a thing. And four was all right. Uh, it definitely was as good as three. Or maybe I'll have to listen to five. I, I might think I, have to. So when I might Carter, have to do that and let you know. So when Carter five dropped, like I was listening to that nonstop for like weeks. Okay. Like, it it was like I don't know what it was, but like maybe maybe going back and listening to it now, it wasn't as great as I thought it was. But like at the time, it was just. It was like super hype. It's always one of those things whenever an artist, uh, um, this just became the music conversation now, which I'm fine with. But like anytime an artist numbers an album, you always have to compare it to previous numbers. So like three is the best one. I, I'll have to listen to five and get back to you, but three is my favorite one. Yeah, I think three. So like uh... he built to three and then fell off after three. And like it's kind of the same thing with Run the Jewels, where Run the Jewels uh, 1 and 2 were good building up into Run the Jewels 3, uh, where Run the Jewels 4 is amazing and has some of their best music. It still doesn't feel as good as 3. Yeah, I agree with that. Because, like, Ooh La La is a banger, but Legend has it. And you got to, like, kind of grade everything off of what... Like, if they'd have named it anything else, I probably wouldn't grade it that way. But they did, and that's the issue. And that's why Adele is such an amazing artist, because she just does her age and gets better. Like, and we just know that, like, oh, no, 28-year-old Adele is baller. And that's how you bridge gaps between music, where, and that's why I think I'm probably clinically insane. 
because I was able to get from Lil Wayne to Run the Jewels to Adele in 30 seconds or less. Hey, I'm the same way. Yeah, no, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that I've been listening to. I've just, it's a bunch of K-pop, man. And it's wild, and I don't know why it's what I listen to all the time, but that's it. It's it's there for me. And it's not even, B, it's not just BTS. I listen to, like, almost everything. And I don't know why. Yeah, I listen to just about everything but New Country. That's fair. It That's, so, like, coming from a music background the way that I do, that is the agreed-upon joke music. Of, we listen to everything but country. Well, I mean, and I like... like like oh, I like old, old country. Yeah, old country's good. Like uh, we went to we went to zero one USA last night, and on our way back, uh, I think Lee was in the car with me, and we were listening to Waylon Jennings. Ooh, that's good stuff. Yeah, I like me some Waylon Jennings. Yeah, I'm a big Skinner fan, which I know that isn't exactly country, but it's in that vein. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, I know Hank Williams Jr. That was another one. But I was also, like, I'm raised in the Mid-South area, and I had a bunch of redneck fans. Like, my entire family's full of rednecks. So, like, of <laughs> course, that music hits for me. But, like, current country music just feels unauthentic. Un- authentic, I think, is where I'm trying to find out. But Yeah. Uh, like, it doesn't... Like, we were raised in these areas, and there's not people that look like that in modern pop country that we, like, I can identify with. Right. So and it's just like, and it's all about trucks, dogs, and heartbreak. And it's like, yeah, no, and it's, or it's drinking beer out by the crick. And I'm like, you guys don't even know what a crick is because you're from California. Like, don't, right. I, I know what I'm, <laughs> I know what I'm bleep being lied to. Uh, whereas like old country, there wasn't, it was very authentic. It was it perfect. No, was it problematic? Probably a little bit, but it at yeah, least yeah. was true. Which is what's important in music. I think if it's if it's true art, or if at least as long as it's true to the artist, it's good. But like this current country music is not. It's not where it's at, man. It's not. Uh, Florida Georgia Line passionately hate them. That's fine. I, I'm not even like. I don't try to shame music because I feel like all music has its place. But man, Florida Georgia Line is the worst. Like it's... I like making fun of Nickelback because it's the fun thing to do. But I feel about Florida Georgia Line the way I talk about Nickelback. Which is pure hatred. Like, like again, might get some heat for this, but at least Nickelback was enjoyable at some point in time. Like I don't <laughs> I don't I don't ever remember enjoying Florida Georgia Line. No, they had that like one WWE song, right? I'm sure they did. It was in 2K15. Oh. Oh my God. That song was I think I turned that song off actually. Yeah, man, 2K15 done messed up a lot of things. Uh, mm-hmm. It made me never, it never made me, or it made me never use jukebox songs. I, I just think, straight, I do wrestling themes if I'm playing 2K. I think they did redeem themselves in 16, though, because they had, like, Billy Idol and... That's true, but I just, like, they, uh, 15 burned me too hard with that song and the other country song that was on there. That was also really bad. Oh my god! I know which one you're talking about. I, I there's some line about work boots or something. I don't remember. I don't remember. But it was bad. And ever since then, I'm like, I'll play 2K, but I'm turning off your music and putting on the entrance music so I can at least not hate everything. 
I'm trying to think of how the song went now. I shouldn't be thinking right? about this, but I am. Yeah, no, and this is, yeah, no, I don't I don't blame you even a little bit on that, but we'll, it'll be a private text. We'll figure out what it is, and we'll <laughs> yeah. be like, this is the song, this is how bad it is. Don't put it in your search history at all, but just know that it was bad. Right. Uh, speaking of, I guess since we're talking about uh, wrestling soundtracks now, like, what's your favorite? What's your favorite wrestling game? Um, WWE 2K14. All right, that seems to be a pretty popular one within with everybody. Yeah, because I didn't have an N64, so and I didn't have a PlayStation 2, so I didn't play Here Comes the Pain or like No Mercy or like revenge WCW versus like I didn't play the Aki games until way later in life. And I didn't play here comes the pain until like high school. So I never got to enjoy those games at their, like when they came out. But I remember I was 21 years old when 2k 14 came out. I think that's how math works. And they were like 30 years of WrestleMania and like, yeah, granted we're not going to have Benoit angle or the Hardys. But we are going to have an amazing mix of who we have now on the roster and, like, legends. Yeah, I think I think 14 is probably my favorite, too, now that I think about it. Like, I know a lot of people like to say no mercy, but, like, I think I got the most playability out of 14. Yeah, uh, because, like, in just the matches that you were able to come up with, the fact that they had Goldberg and Yokozuna... And then, like, the DLC, that was, like, the one year they did DLC perfectly because they gave us the NWO, or, like, a mm-hmm. big majority of the NWO. Um, that game was a lot of fun. It was, like, the first one that we got, like, Big E, and then that was his three-ended-up-I-need-five gimmick. Yep. Um, oh, it was such a good game. I loved that game so much. I think I put so much time. I was, like, a junior in college, and that's all I did. It was also the same time that the network came out, so, like... I would go watch old pay-per-views and then download created wrestlers of like New Jack and stuff. Uh-huh. Cause, and just like do crazy stuff. I was like, no, and they gave it just enough. And they, cause I think it was like, they were still using the THQ engine for the most part. Cause it's like 2k, it was only 2k in name alone. Cause it was right whenever 2k like bought the rights to it. So it was very much the game that THQ was making that 2k just kind of finished. Yeah. And it was so good. And then, like, the defeat the streak mode is probably the best boss battle of all time in wrestling video games. And there's no, there's not even, like, a second place. It's that and that alone. Agreed. Like, beating Undertaker on Legend difficulty with all the extra stuff, like, whenever you get that three count, it's something about that is just so fulfilling. Yeah, I think I tried doing it a couple years ago. Oh, no, I tried doing it a year ago whenever quarantine happened because I had an Xbox 360. And I, like, got a copy of that game, and I think it, like, I got to the point whenever the game came out where I was able to beat Undertaker consistently, and I was actually going through the roster at one point. Wow. I beat him with Titus O'Neil, which I think was, like, my crowning achievement in video games. <laughs> um, but... So, I'm sorry, you finished. No, no, you're good. No, 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 you're good. So, funny story about 2K14, like, the character I played as the most on that game is Titus O'Neil for one reason... Because it was his voice recording a... Yeah. Oh, no, I understand. That was, like, when they started doing that. So, like, some characters actually got their voice in the game. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, so, like, 2K14, like, it was the same. But at the same time, it was so different. 
and it was I think it was the roster. I think that's honestly what it is, because like the gameplay was 2K. Or no, it was still THQ, so it was more like WWE 13, which was, was like a really awesome, good game on its own. Because mm-hmm. um, they were still giving us those crazy story modes. And that was like the return of WCW, so we got like a lot of good people that way, like good superstars to wrestle with that way. But um, 14 gave us just like Steamboat, Savage, Ultimate Warrior, Hogan, and like five different outfits, along with like CM Punk right after all of like the Summer of Punk stuff. And, like, all of that. It gave us just the perfect blend of old and new, I felt like. Yeah. And there was just so much you could do in that game. And then, like, getting the 30 Years of WrestleMania showcase on top of... And I just realized I did that wrong. WWE 13 was the Attitude Era showcase. WWE 12 is the one I'm thinking of. But um, 14 gave us that awesome showcase mode, which was, like, the one time they did that right, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I like showcase mode, but, like, I think 2K14 just kind of set the bar too high. Yeah, and it's because they had, like, a very clear outline, and they got everybody that they needed to get, unlike the other ones where it's like, oh, yeah, remember whenever this random Asian man helped Steve Austin win the WWF title against Shawn Michaels? Because we we don't own the rights to uh, Mike Mike Tyson. Tyson. Yeah. Uh, so, like, they very much, but, like, where 14 was just like, no, we really only need these people to do this match, and if we can't get these people, we'll just do a different match. Um, that one was perfect. Just the goofy matches you could do with them. And then, like, it was whenever they were definitely, like, leaning into the whole create your own characters and put them online. So you could get, and they gave us, like, 100 character slots to download from. Like, it was awesome. That's probably my favorite wrestling game of all time for that reason. Just the amount of stuff you could do. They gave us the NXT arena in earnest. That was cool. Mm-hmm. And that was like the first game where you could do the superstar heads, which that was big for me because like, like I enjoyed the superstar threads, but like being able to give somebody a custom attire without like having to completely recreate them was just yeah awesome. That said, was you awesome. Get, Ring of Honor Punk was a big one because mm-hmm. they gave us him with long hair. I did, like, debuting Cena. Like, because they gave us this, those options. Some of them were lame, but some of them were also, like, really cool to mess with. Yeah. And, like, I mean, the DLC. Like, yeah, no, that game was perfect now that I think about it. Yeah, I didn't, I don't really, there's not really a whole lot that I dislike about it. Yeah, we're, like, 18 and 19 were good games. 19 was phenomenal, I will say that. Yeah, 19 is probably my second favorite. But, like... I my top five it becomes two or yeah two K fourteen and then just a bunch of older games at that point because the just the new two K stuff doesn't feel as fun for me. Yeah, I get that. I think two K twenty really killed it for a lot of people. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of excited to see what AEW brings to the table. I hope they kind of go back to more of the Aki Engine wrestling game. Yeah, where it's a lot more simplistic. I will say Retromania is worth the twenty five dollars. Uh, if you if you have an Xbox One right now or you play on PC, Retromania is totally worth the twenty five dollars they ask for, um, just oh. for an arcade wrestling game. All right, yeah, I think Lee and I were talking about that yesterday, and he was like, "I'm not sure if that's worth it." So, Lee, if you're listening to this, um, there's your opinion. Yeah, and War Horses on it. Shout there out to the go. opening of the podcast. Yeah, uh, um, <laughs> War Horse also going to be at CCW on April twenty fourth. I know. I'm super excited. Uh, 
I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to see if I can get him to sign my Warhorse Rules ass ruler that I got from Pro Wrestling Crate. That's cool. Yeah, I saw that one. And I was like, well, that's awesome. And then I heard he got uh, announced for CCW. I was like, well, that's gonna get signed because <laughs> it's already an amazing piece of wrestling memorabilia. I have it, and it needs a signature on it. And he's gonna be here. Yeah, so, I mean, might as well. Yeah, try at least. But yeah, no, that was. But Retro Man is a lot of fun. Um. I'm hoping that 2K20, well, I guess it'd be 22 this year. Man, time flies. It does. Uh, I'm hoping that they give us an actual wrestling game. Like, Battlegrounds was okay. but Yeah. My thing is I'm not really into the arcade and cheesy stuff. I like more the simulation style. And I get that. And I hope, like, I hope we get that game. I hope that 2K gave themselves two years to rebuild it properly, so... And I, I also kind of want to play with the roster that's at WWE right now. Like, I think they have a diverse... Like, there's enough people that would make the game fun for me. And then AEW has that game coming out. That's going to be fun. Because I've, mm-hmm. I've also just loved wrestling video games as a whole. I even played Legends of Wrestling. I have a copy of Legends of Wrestling 2 on GameCube upstairs. If I want to play those horrible games. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so something else I kind of wanted to talk with you about today is... Uh, you're big into action figures, right? Yeah, a, a big action figure collector. Uh, to the point to where it scares me sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of... I mean, I'm not like a big collector like you, but I have kind of got my hands on some of the AEW figures. They're really nice. I like the AEW ones a lot. Um, I'm hoping that Jazzware starts mass-producing them more. Because yeah. that's the that's the biggest issue I have with them right now is that they're too hard to get. Yeah, that's how I am too, like... Because I have... Oh, go ahead. Like, the other... I think the other day, like... So, with Wave 1, like, I went out and tried to get them from Walmart, and it just wasn't happening. Like, I found... I found Omega and a Jericho, and after that, I pretty much gave up. And after that, if I was going to get anything, it was from ringside. But the other... Which is the way to do it. Yeah. But the other day, like, I was at Walmart just doing some shopping, and I'm like... You know what? Like, I might as well just go by the. I might as well just go by the action figure section and see if they got anything. If they don't, I'll I won't be disappointed. And then I got there and there was like one single Riho there. Oh, nice. Uh huh. Because <laughs> I haven't found. No, that's not true. I found some of Wave Three in St. Louis a couple weeks back, but I already had all of them. Uh, I was able to buy them through Patrick, so, like, I didn't have to, like, buy any of them in-store. Because, like, if I buy an AEW in-store, it's probably for Red Daniels. Yeah. Because, like, I've ordered all the ones I want. Now I'm going to try with Wave 4 and 5 to actually find them in-store. Uh, just because trying to buy them off ringside now is so ridiculous, and you're, like, buying back orders of them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, nah, it's not – I don't like doing that, really. I don't like waiting that long for an action figure. I'll do – if they make Marco – if they make Marco's figure, I'll buy a back order figure if I don't get it like right away. Right. But that that's a personal like reason why I would do that, not because of anything else. Um But yeah, no, the AWs are a lot of fun. I have an extensive A or WWE Elite collection. Um and then I also collect like Funko Pops. I have a bunch of those, and then also Marvel Legends I'm like really into. Um but yeah, no, I've I liked figures as a kid, and then like I think I was like twenty twenty one, I started getting into comic books again, 
And I got, like, a Nightwing figure from the Arkham games, which Nightwing's, like, my favorite comic book character. And then I just kind of slowly started buying action figures. And then I was like, I'm not going to get into wrestling ones, though, even though I'm a huge wrestling fan. I was like, I won't do the wrestling ones. And then I found, I think it was, like, Elite 29 CM Punk, which was, like, his last figure they made before he walked out. Um, It was the year he walked out, but it was Black Friday. They had one in Perryville, Missouri. They had one at their Walmart, and it was, like, 12 bucks instead of 20 Oh, wow. So I just bought it because I was like, well, it's CM Punk. It's his last figure. I need this. Yeah. And then I was like, well, I need this Triple H in his WrestleMania 30 attire. I love that match. And then it just got really bad really quick to where, like, I have – I don't know how many I have, but I have a number that's way too much <laughs> of of elites. Um, And my, my basic rule now is if it's a different – because, like, I sold a bunch of them over the last year. Um, but I still have a bunch of them, but like my rule is now is just like, if I don't have this character in a different way, I don't need it or I need to sell the old one. Um, so I've been doing that a whole lot recently. I, at some point this week, I should get the Jeff Hardy versus Triple H intercontinental championship match to pack in. Cause I love Jeff Hardy and it comes with the Jersey and mesh shirt. Nice. So I'm like, I need those. But, like, yeah, no, I have a little bit of everything. Even wrestlers I don't like. Except for one. I will never have a Brutus the Bar for Barber Beefcake figure in my collection. That's, like, my most hated wrestler for some reason. I don't know why. I just don't like him. Really? And, like, huh. there's a lot of people... There's a lot of wrestlers I don't like that I have action figures of. But, like, Brutus is, like, the one that I have hold very firm that I... And I could have bought a couple of them. And I'm always like, no, I don't need it. But, like... Other random guys from the 80s I have. I bought a Nikolai Volkov because I was like, well, I need Nikolai for some reason. Even though, like, I don't think I can tell you a single match that he's ever done. <laughs> but, like, yeah, no, I just, I collect a little bit of everything. I like having uh, a nice roster of wrestlers that I don't do matches with. But uh, the New Japan figures are pretty tight. I like those a lot, too. I just yeah. They're not perfect, but they're cool. It actually made me buy the uh, Good Brothers and then Hawkins and Ryder Super 7s that they're making. Those first four figures made me buy those other four figures. So the Japanese figures are pretty cool. I, I collect a little bit of everything, but right now it's the, the WWE Elites and the Unrivaleds that I'm, like, always searching for. Okay. So, yeah, I'll occasionally get an action figure or, like, if... Like, I like watching the High Spots auctions sometimes, and I've gotten... I think I've gotten a few good, like, I think I got a signed Eric Young Elite for, like, 40 bucks. Oh, that's not bad. I don't that's do signed fair. figures. Okay, I don't. that's fair. I have two. Um, and I'll let, like, I would let you take a guess, but you're you're going to, like, feel silly if you don't get it right. Uh, I have two signed action figures. They're both X-Pac. Uh, one is in his DX gear, and the other is in his NWO gear. Is that, that's when you went down the WrestleCon to meet him, right? Yeah, I went to WrestleCon. I already had the DX one from my friends in Dallas. Uh, okay. He was like, he went to like a random signing at like a toy store, and he just bought like a forty dollar like somebody was selling a signed one for forty dollars that Xbox signed, and he was like, yeah, I'll buy it, and he gave it to me because he was like, oh yeah, no, Dalton is his favorite wrestler, it makes sense. But then I bought the Six Elite that came out like two or three years ago, and I opened it up because I wanted it, like I wanted to mess with it, and then. Like, a week later, Jason asked me if I wanted to go to, like, New Orleans. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, is X-Pac going to be at WrestleCon? And he's like, yeah, he is. And so I had to go find another. Like, I had to hunt down another one and keep it, like, mint and card. And, like, not touch it, not do anything with it. And then I had to get it 
to uh, New Orleans without like messi- messing up the box at all. And then like getting it back. So I was like holding it in like a defender case in a backpack that I was like holding in front of me the whole time. So I'm sure I looked crazy. But yeah, those are the only two figures I have that are signed just because I'm like, ah, that's way too, like, it's too valuable for me to just have in a cardboard box. Like, I'm afraid to get messed up. And then I'd be like, well, I might as well just open it now. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, because I can, I can tell you where you can get a signed Christian Cage action figure right now, but the box looks horrible and I would only buy it to open it. Yeah, if the box looks horrible, I'm not. Like... Yeah, it's in, it's in St. Louis. And you can go buy it right now because it's been at the same toy store for like a year. But it's like it's probably not too much money for just the toy. Like I think it's because it's an impact uh, toy biz figure. So like a lot of those are worth money now. But like it's a signed box, um, but it's all tore up. And I'm like, I would open it and I would feel bad opening it because there's going to be eventually somebody that's going to want it signed. Right. And I just I would feel like a jerk. Yeah. Over plastic men. This is Caleb. I am a diseased human. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I I watch the high spots auctions and get them sometime. Uh, which brings me to my next question, action figure related, I guess. Uh, what's your thoughts on the figures, toy companies' figures? Oh, they're horrible. They're the worst. Um, I've owned three of them, and none of them were good. Uh, I had Red Dragon, I Kylo Ribley and Bobby Fish. I had those two because like if you buy so much money at Gear and High Spots, they'll have like a bag of fun for twenty five dollars. Uh-huh. And I got it was whenever I was buying my first pairs of bikers, I just bought the Bobby Fish and Kylo Riley like with it for like ten bucks or whatever. How much I had to pay for them, and they were not good figures. They were cheaply made, like they feel cheap, and you're like. Any person that buys action figures is going to know what this means. But, like, when you hold an action figure, you can tell if it's worth the money value that you sunk into it. Because, um, like, the way the plastics feel and stuff like that. The toy company's ones are not good plastics. And then they don't look good either. So yeah. I had those two. And then I bought the Joey Ryan one in Chicago whenever I went to uh, War Games. Because it was at uh, a random shop up there. And I, like, was at a certain time or at a certain point I was like... If I work a show with somebody and they have an action figure, I want that action figure. Um, and I was like, well, hell, I teamed with him, so I want that figure. I ended up selling it after everything happened. I was like, I don't need this in my collection anymore. Right. But um, <laughs> they, it wasn't a good figure. They are not good figures. If you're gonna not unbox them, like if you're just gonna, like if you just want a signed homicide figure, perfect. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you can do that. But if you want something that looks good, something else, because they just they don't look good. They're sculptors. They their sculptors look like they know what they're doing, but then whenever it comes into the final like products, they look horrible. Yeah, especially the especially the Brian Cage one. Like I can't wait until Brian Cage gets an unrivaled figure. Yeah, there's a lot of those AEW guys that I'm like I can't wait for their figure because I just want to see what cool stuff. Like because they did Darby Allen's is amazing. The Orange Cassidy like mm. Wave Three was very much the this is what we can do. Do you like it? And I'm like, yeah, I'm here for it all day long because it's amazing. But um, yeah, no, the figures toy company. I know what like, and they they have a good following because they get a lot of legends, and it's in that classic superstars body that Jax did. So like, you can like if you want Shane Douglas and Chris Candino to hang out with your Bam Bam Bigelow and get your triple threat, there it is. You can do that, but they don't look good. They don't even, but it's the same body type, which is a lot of people are into scale and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, no, I'm not a. I've had a couple of them. 
and they're just not worth the 30 to 35 dollars they ask for them yeah i get that i mean i'm not really a big fan of how they look either but like like if i wanted to get one signed by somebody then yeah i could see myself getting one yeah uh I don't know what the top sell. Well, I know I think the top selling like figure toy company figures are like AJ Styles and Kenny Omega because like you can't find them anymore. So but the man- Kenny, so the Kenny Omega, they have like a Kenny Omega variant on high spots, and it goes for like I think the unsigned one goes for a hundred and fifty, and the yep. signed one, the signed one goes for two hundred bucks, and they're always putting that out in like. Literally, nobody or sometimes maybe one or two people will buy it, and they're always like, the value is just going to go up on this thing. And I'm like, I feel bad because it's like, it's like you said, the figures, toy company figures aren't really that great. And and the fact that they're asking so much money for it, and it's it makes me feel bad for them because it's like they're going to be holding on to those like yeah, for, forever. You better be a huge Kenny Omega fan if that's the case. Right. Because, <laughs> um, like, right now you can go on ringside and buy – I mean, it's a back-ordered times four at this point, but you can get a Kenny Omega that looks way better, that can do a lot more cool shit. That it, You don't even have to open it. You can just get it signed by him yeah. at a, a lot cheaper with a lot better quality. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's just figures as a whole. But, yeah, no, figure toy company. I understand. Uh, they do sell a lot just because, like, Jim Cornette can sell 100,000 figures – to his uh, lovely human being fans. And uh, they'll sell out because it's the only way to get a Jim Cornette figure. Or it's right. the only way to get a Francine figure. And if you have an ECW collection, you need Francine. Um, like, they they hit a... They're very much a niche market. And they do okay with what they got. But if you're like, I don't... I will never buy another one. It doesn't matter who they make. Like, e- like even if they were like, we're making an Owen Hart, I'd be like, pass. Yeah. And that's like the one person that I want them, somebody to make a figure of. I don't know. I'm a little iffy about Owen Hart merchandise, like in general being made. Like even when, even when pro wrestling tees made the dark side of the ring Owen Hart shirt, I was kind of like, eh, maybe the family agreed. Maybe the family agreed with it, but it's just, I don't know. It's just kind of bad taste in my opinion to. Did you listen? Oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think it's just overall in bad taste to to make profit off of a dead person, but what were you going to say? Um, if you listen to Chris Jericho's podcast with, uh, I think it's Martha, his, his widow, like, she is perfectly cool with selling Owen Hart merchandise, but not through WWE. Okay. Which I totally get. Like, and it's like everything that he has that's come out in the last year every piece of it has the Owen Hart Foundation stamped on it. Okay. If it's if it's cuz like if it's the micro brawlers it's on the back of the box. If it's the shirts it's on cuz I own two different Owen Hart shirts. And I get what you're saying, but my my thought mentality and I think I talked to Sadie about it is I feel bad buying the shirts, but somebody is going to make a bootleg shirt and make so much money off of it because there's not Owen Hart t-shirts. That's the truth too. And th- those are the kind of people that I really hate. But like Everything Pro Wrestling Tees does, it's it's all stamped with the Owen Hart Foundation. I would like to think that the Owen Hart Foundation is getting a good kickback because people want his shirts. I have two of them because Owen Hart was one of my favorite wrestlers when I was a kid. And uh, whenever I got super excited, I bought it the day it came out 
the, like the day they said, Hey, we're making Owen Hart shirts. I went on ringside and or not ringside. I went on pro and keys and bought one. Cause I was like, no, I want this. I'm going to want this. And I want to make sure I can get one, which is funny. Cause I know all their stuff's print to order. Cause you can get Dalton Anthony shirts there. So like, I know, and I know that I know they don't have a stock of Dalton Anthony shirts hanging around. It's like, we can't get rid of these smalls. No, it's all print to order. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I bought one of those. And then I actually recently found uh, the other Owen Hart shirt at the Carbondale Hot Topic. And Sadie nice. picked it up for me. And that also has the Owen Hart Foundation stamped on it. So it's one of those, like, I feel fine buying those. The figure, I would really like for AEW to do the classic superstars thing. Because there's enough unsigned people out there that don't have updated action figures. And if they do that, I really do think they could make an Owen Hart. Because I feel like Martha would probably sign off on it as long as it was had the Owen, as long as money went to Owen Hart's foundation. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if that's the case, then you know that's great. Again, not maybe not my thing exactly, but yeah, I mean, and, and I don't I don't blame you. It's one of those things like I can't enjoy Chris Benoit anymore, but I can enjoy Owen Hart because he didn't do anything heinous. Um. <laughs> He was just a part of a freak accident, whereas Chris Benoit did something bad. Right. So, like, I, I've i been yearning for Owen Hart stuff for years that were, was licensed. Because, like, I can get an Owen Hart shirt that's somebody printed off and shipped to me, but it's not, like, authentic. Versus Pro Wrestling Tees, at least it's authentic Owen Hart merch, and the money's going to the right place. So, yeah. that, that, that hits for me. Yeah. Well, since I know that, I might I might be a little more open to getting one eventually. They're pretty cool. I like the the all the designs they do for Owen are pretty cool. Um, I have the I have the main one they made, and then the other one's like a pink heart with white lettering on top of it. Okay. Another, yeah, they're pretty cool. And again, it's it's Owen Hart, so I was gonna buy it, and it was official, so I was perfectly cool with it. So you said you got pro wrestling tees too, right? Yeah, I signed up uh, a little bit over a little bit under a year ago because they were giving like you have to pay in to have a pro wrestling tea store. But since COVID was happening, they were just kind of giving them out. Oh, that's cool. So I uh, I made a store during that initiative of it. And uh, it's it's cool. I like not having because like at, before I was holding like 40, 50 shirts at a time and hauling all of those around to show to show is a chore. Yeah. Whereas now all I got to do is just like. There was a family that and Charleston that wanted my the I had the Dodge Duck Dip Dive shirt and um, they wanted to know where they could get one and I said if you go to Pro Wrestling Tees and type in Dalton Anthony it'll it's right there I have three designs up I'm working I've been working on a fourth one for a while but the motivation to get in and do the artwork and then have Sadie actually do the artwork is a, more than I want to do right now I got I got you so if you yeah if you go to if you type in Dalton Anthony on the search bar of Pro Wrestling Tees I show up and then I'd the the dodgeball shirt, the dodge duck dip dive in Dalton, and then the wrestling buddy shirt in black and white. That's pro wrestling tees. That's the only way you can get that shirt is that way. And then the best assistant ever, which is also a variant of the shirt that I wear, where it's a white background instead of it just being gray and black. So if you have a Dalton Anthony shirt and you want something a little different from even what I own, um, go to pro wrestling tees and get one of the uh, Illinois gimmick shirts. All right. I guess you don't have the Kingdom Hearts one anymore then. Uh, that shirt, I don't think I get put up on Pro Wrestling Tees because okay. I definitely stole the logo and font. Yeah, that might run into a little. <laughs> yeah, I get you. <laughs> yeah, uh, that shirt would get me a cease and desist. And as much fun as that sounds, 
I don't want my childhood, like my favorite childhood video game, like filing a lawsuit against me. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Probably smart decision on your end on that one. So like, yeah, if you have one of the Kingdom Hearts shirts, you have a piece of wrestling history that nobody's going to care about in 10 years. Um, (laughs) But you're, you're going to have it and it's going to be cool. Yeah. So uh, just kind of before we wrap up here, uh, just kind of a final go back to wrestling. Um, We talked about some dream opponents, but like kind of going forward, like what are some of your goals? What's on your radar? So to say, um, I'm already like at stride. I'm the longest, I'm one of the one half of the longest reigning tag team champions they've ever had. Um, Jay and I have held that belt for over a year. Um, I hope to make that a longer reign. I want I want to see how long this reign can go and how good our matches get going forward. Um, that being said, if that's not in the cards, I really want a shot at Dexter Roswell's No Limit Championship. Um, Dexter is somebody that I have tagged with. I've only got to wrestle once, and uh, I botched a spot and ruined the match and haven't wrestled him since. Uh, I'm older. I'm wiser. I think I think I'm better. I would love to. I want to go after his belt. Um, or the legacy championship. Those are the, those are my two goals at stride. If I can't hold onto that tag belt, I want the legacy championship or the no limits championship. Um, at CCW, um, I haven't held a title at CCW. I've won end of the year awards. Um, I've won like the breakout star of the year at CCW. I've won moment of the year. Um, but at the end of the day, those pieces of papers, they don't keep you warm at night. Uh, I want to be a champion at CCW. Uh, and at this point, I'll take it any way I can. That's not the women's championship. Uh, not to downing that, but I think Trent Daniels has made a, a good watermark of what you can do with that. Um, but the pure open weight championship, I'm always looking at. I The tag team championships, I've had two chances to win that belt, two or three chances, and I've never gotten it. Um. And then there's always the heavyweight title at CCW. There's there's enough gold there that I can aim at and try to get. So that's that's the main ones um, going forward. Of course, I would love to branch out once COVID's over and we get more vaccines out there. I would love to kind of go out and travel a little bit more. Um, but right now, I think my goals are the the titles at any title at CCW I can get my hands on. And if I don't, if I'm not a tag team champion at Stride, I want the No Limits or the Legacy. Yeah, because I feel like I can do it. I haven't worked singles a whole lot in the last couple of years because of coronavirus and just being in tag teams. Um, but as I've proven on Saturday, last Saturday, that it's something I still can do. I still have the skill set to work singles. So if my tags don't work out, I can still I, I feel like I'd be a viable opponent for any champion at any of the promotions I work for. Yeah. On a side note, um, that No Limits Championship is probably one of the most beautiful looking titles on the indie scene right now. Yeah. Uh, there's a certain X factor it has that I just can't put my finger on it, but the X factor <laughs> that that belt has, it's beautiful. Yeah. It is a nice belt. <laughs> Sam, I love you. And I just need you to know that the joke was there and I had to take it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but I just, Dexter has that belt and Dexter's a guy that I feel like I haven't got to work to my fullest potential. And I feel like we could probably come up with some really good matches um, and tell a good story. So that's that would be the one if you were just gunned ahead. If I can't have the tag belt, I want the X or not the X division, the No Limits title. The No Limits X, 
the No Limits Stride X Division title. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's a lot of really good people at Stride that we could do something really fun with that belt, but it's just getting the right pieces in the right place at the right time. Right. Um. And then yeah, no, that pure openweight title is the one that's always just like that one makes me itchy because it very much feels like that there should be a certain uh, prestige to it, and I feel like I could be one of the people to make that belt really really mean something. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, it's all, it's all one of those. I gotta, I gotta prove to the, the higher ups and the crowd that, uh, I deserve to be in that echelon. Not saying that tag team did like, I love tag team wrestling, but I started as a singles guy at at Cape and then just kind of tag team fell in my lap. Um, I wouldn't mind going back to that singles division though, because the singles division at CCW right now is super stacked and there's a lot of guys that I haven't got to wrestle that I want to wrestle. So Yep. All the time in the world, though. Hopefully. 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 <laughs> if there's if there's one thing we learned about 2020 and 2021 is that that is a phrase that means something, but it can also get taken away from you really quick. So. That's very true. Um, any final thoughts? Um, ah, man, be nice to each other. That's that's my number one thing. Uh, as a human. Hallelujah. Um, I've seen a lot of negativity in the last couple of years. I've been a part of a lot of negativity in the last couple of years. I'm not super proud about that. Um, I try to keep myself to be a low bullshit kind of person. I will bullshit with people, but I try to be a very upfront. What you see is what you get. And I don't try to be a jerk to anybody. Um, I've seen the opposite a whole lot, especially in the last couple of years. And man, it's not the way to live. I've, I've been the angry person in my life and I've been the happy person and the happy person. It may not get you as far, but man, it feels a whole hell of a lot better. So that's my, that's my takeaway in life. That's what I try to teach my students. Um, to how I try to take my wrestling career is be happy and have fun because those are the only two things that are going to make you feel good at the end of the day is being happy and having fun. Uh, so, yeah, that's, my, that's probably my parting thoughts on everything. It's a good philosophy, man. Um, where can people find you on socials? Uh, man, I'm Dalton Anthony on Facebook. Uh, if you like that page uh, or if you follow or if you friend me, um, I think it's a picture of me and my cat on uh, my couch so super easy to find uh i think i am pz85 d anthony at twitter on twitter and then yeah if you go into prowrestlingtees.com slash dalton anthony you can buy my merch there um check out any of the early ccw chaos episodes i'm all over those uh i think that's it yeah i don't have a twitch channel at all uh i don't mess with the tiktoks i have a tiktok because there's a lot of cat videos but i don't like post videos on tiktok yeah, no parlor. Um, I'm I'm not on parlay. That's how you're supposed to say it. But <laughs> the the uh, people that uh, stormed parlor turned it into parlor. Stormed is the fun way to call that. Uh, and then yeah, no, I'm not on parlor. Uh, I I'm sure if you check MySpace, but you'd have to you'd have to know my government name for that. Mm. Uh, yeah, man, I think that's all the places you can find me on the internets. All right, well we. Where you can find us, um, you can find us at Four Sides IV on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, make sure you hit like and follow on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all your select podcast platforms. Um, if you want to go to Twitter, we have a Linktree link in our description. So if you got that, you've got all of our socials. Um, make sure you find our merchandise on Tee Public. Um, we've got 
shirts. We got masks, stickers, and all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, go check us out. Dalton, thanks so much for coming on here, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yes, and I hope the future brings you continues to bring you good things. Thanks, man. I, same. I I love your podcast, and I hope that it gets bigger as the uh, the time goes on. Well, thank you so much, man. Um, next episode, um, I don't know what we're gonna do. We might do a recap. We might have another guest. You never know with us. Um, so make sure you find us on those socials and keep up with us. And this is gonna be in the end of this episode. So until next time, stay cool and peace. <laughs>